This is the Jamal Show. Jamal C. Wright. Jamal. Jamal C. Wright. Jamal. This is the Jamal Show. This is the Jamal Show. And good afternoon and good night. We are very sorry for starting late today. Uh, first time back in two months. It's good to be back in the air after two months of summer vacation. Everybody needs time off, but it's very good ba- to be back with you. I'm a little rusty. Let us begin this journey, my friends, the same way I always have, and that is with gratitude for life. So congratulations to all of you who can hear my voice, because it is you who have won the most important lottery in life on this day. That is, you've won the lottery for who got to wake up this morning. So cheers. Celebrations are in order. There is no such thing as a small victory on this one because everybody who goes to sleep generally expects to wake up. But many of us don't. Because of this fact, we know that no matter how rich or how poor you are, no matter how happy or how miserable, you are not guaranteed tomorrow. In fact, I'm famous for saying you're not even guaranteed the rest of today. And I'm always going to be the one to remind you of that. So make the best of it. Your job in life is to make the best of whatever situation you're in. That's my philosophy. Go spread it around. Now think of it this way. You woke up today and the Queen of England did not. And all the Queen's horses and all the Queen's men could not put the Queen back together again. How's that for a transition? Yes, it is true that the longest reigning monarch in European history... It's not Dr. Mack, has begun her final journey. And as always, we find that funerals are a place where life stories get embellished. See, I was going to be I was gonna be nice today, but that's yeah. okay. I'm, I'm, I'm best, I was going to be nice today. <laughs> Even great life stories. And so yeah. the question is this. Will the end of her journey leave Queen Elizabeth II in heaven or in hell? I ask this not because I take the death of the queen lightly. I take no death lightly. Even when I hear about the death penalty being exercised. I don't take those deaths lightly. I didn't celebrate her death like some people did because in my mind, Queen Elizabeth really had two legacies. There was the legacy of Elizabeth. Right. And there was the legacy of the Queen of England. Right. Right. I have a close friend who helped me realize this. Let me rephrase that. I have a close African friend who helped me realize that Queen Elizabeth was really two legacies wrapped in one. And I emphasize African because the African perspective on Queen Elizabeth is going to be a lot different from the European one. My African friend told me that when he was growing up, he had to take on the name of one of the Queen's relatives to be allowed to attend school. And that's why he goes by the name James to this day. And I'm paraphrasing here. But isn't that something? Imagine you had to change your child's name to Joe Biden so that your child could attend school. That kind of treatment can take an emotional toll on an entire people. Anybody forced to do that would probably hate that leader that you had to name your child after. I would suppose that a lot of the colonized people in Africa feel mixed feelings about the queen. After all, the horse ride isn't as pleasant for the horse as it is for the rider. My African friend told me that Queen Elizabeth was the last living symbol of colonialism. Now, having toured Southern Africa myself, I think those are pretty powerful words. 
But since I personally don't share that African history, I see Queen Elizabeth as a person with two public faces. I see the face that the world mourns, the Elizabeth that was an honest and wholesome lady, <laughs> but I also see the title I see adhered to, and that was the title of a queen. She was the queen who wore a crown of jewels that was stolen from Africa. That's the truth. Maybe it was the truth that was forced upon her. She didn't ask for that. Nobody chooses their parents. But another truth is this. While I respect all life, I will never respect the queen. I'm talking to you honestly. You cannot ever sell a queen to Jamal C. Wright. It won't happen. Why? Because kings and queens are what America was created to escape from. Literally. The future has no place for kings and queens. History is filled with kings and queens beheading people for doing the same type of things their royal family got away with. It's not personal with me and Queen Elizabeth, but it's a fact. The very existence of a queen limits the future of her so-called subjects. Because if Prince William has to be the Duke of Cornwall, that means that your child can't be the Duke of Cornwall. And by the way, when will the time come when humans stop worshipping bloodlines? <sighs> there was nothing with less merit than being born lucky. And so I see these people, back outside of Buckingham Palace, standing in line for 30 hours yeah, to yeah, view the, yeah. the Queen's casket and, and, and bow in front of it. Look, and bow look, in front of it. Let, let, let's, let's also understand, as Americans, as, as Jamal has stated, we have been fighting against the King and Queen. And what... It, we need to understand the truth that King George III, who we fought the American Revolution against, and they don't want to tell you this, his queen was black. Okay? So, um, you know, we've been fighting this, whether they white or black. Was she also, was she also she, playing the Little Mermaid? The live <laughs> oh, those are two different black people. Right, okay, right. right. Oh, 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 we're going to do Little Mermaid? Okay, okay, okay. And so... I wonder when I see these people standing in front of a nine for 30 hours to see their own. I wonder if they would do that to see their own mother's casket. And I'm wondering, why are these people bowing? I love both my grandmother and my mother, but I never felt the urge to bow in front of their caskets. You also be sharing that mic, by the way. And I'm wondering, where does that urge come from? Is that their way of saying, yes, I'm your loyal subject? Because it's not like she was a real queen with the power to behead you. She couldn't change any laws. She was a figurehead, right? She just walked around with millions of dollars of a, millions of, dollars. of of and a, and a stolen crown on her head. May she rest in peace. But people seem to have an emotional connection with figureheads, even dishonest ones like stand-up comedian Donald Trump. You know, I actually thought about Donald Trump when I was in the Bahamas a few weeks ago. Want to know how I thought of him? I'll tell you. I went into a store and gave my cashier the money for some items. Then I forgot my change and walked out. And the cashier watched me walk out without my change. She didn't stop me to tell me I was leaving money behind. She didn't say, hey, mister, you left something. And that event right there made me think of Donald Trump. Because that cashier was dishonest, just like him. And you're always at a disadvantage when you deal with people who make, a, make it a point to be dishonest. They know no boundaries. They will lie about lying. They will mischaracterize you purposefully like they do to Joe Biden every day. And it's almost like dishonesty is a characteristic of today's Republican Party, as led by stand-up comedian Trump. Now, by the way, a lot of people uh, mention this on Twitter. I call him stand-up comedian Trump not to be disrespectful, 
But to be truthful, to be honest, all the man does at every rally is stand up and tell jokes about Democrats. His purpose is to make people laugh. That's what a comedian does. So don't so stay off my back about that. Jamal, man, we got a new one coming up. I'm a buddy in here and say DeSantos, you know, <laughs> shipping these people to the vineyard. We're gonna get to that. That's oh, the second right, segment. Well, well, yeah, well, yeah, okay, yeah. All right, all right. Because, no, 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 we're okay. Because everyone loves Amazon, but I've never had a person deliver to me. You know what I'm saying? So we're gonna get well, to that. At least not late. Can't, that's part of dishonesty okay. because not only are they shipping people to different states, but they're doing it in a dishonest manner. All right, all right, all right. we're going to do that second You know? Segment. That's what a comedian... But Donald Trump is a stand-up comedian. That's my point, but I digress. I know that if I ever return to the Bahamas, I can't go into that store where they kept my chains again. You know why? Because the store has shown me dishonesty to my detriment. I know that if I ever go back into that store and I don't watch my own back, they won't watch my back for me. They'll take advantage of me. And so... It just so happens that I feel the same applies to the Republican Party these days. The whole party reeks of dishonesty, and I'm just going to say it. They no longer defend their constituents. They just defend one guy. What policies do they push? Whatever that guy thinks. What points do they use? Whatever that one guy says is okay. They They even pay all of that one guy's legal bills with their donations from poor people or middle class people. Not because the party owes Trump his legal fees. But just because he wants them to. And by the way, he can be as dishonest as he wants to be. They love that. The dishonesty in the Republican Party is not a flaw. It's a feature. Now, we have some Republican governors who are treating illegals like Amazon packages and shipping them across the nation. Why? Why do they do that? Because they want to use families as political pawns. This is the Republican form of a protest to get immigration reform done. So instead of protesting in a humane way, they ship families with kids and children to other states with little notice to the states that the families are going to. And without the people who they're shipping know that where they're going. They, they haven't given them the consent. They just put them in the vehicle and send them to wherever they're going to send them. There's been no translation. This is a, 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 a form of kidnapping. Mark my words. These people are being legally kidnapped. And DeSantis and the guy from uh, Texas, they are going to be held accountable. Well, I'm I'm more disappointed that they want to do this. That they want to do this. Why would anybody want to do this? Even if your constituents wanted it, why would you do it? That's like, you know, one of my biggest fans saying, hey, I really want to. You know what would make the show great? You should kill Mac in the studio today. I'd be like, why would I want to do that? Because they have no ethics, no morals. You know, these people don't care. They're not. Let's, let's talk demographics, okay? I mean, you know, you've got to thin out the population. If you allow these people to come to your border and then they eventually become citizens, the next thing you know, they can vote. They can take your job. Well, I bet, I bet you they'll vote for the guy that gave them water instead of the guy that shipped them across the states, you know, to some unknown location. They're sending families with kids to unknown destinations with no resources, not to mention that the reason why we don't have immigration reform, you know why? It's a dirty little secret. It's because Republicans are against any legalization of immigrants that are already here. That's called amnesty, and Republicans hate it ever since Reagan. Well, they hate it after Reagan did it. Let me put it that way. They hate it even though there was no feasible way to get millions of migrants shipped back home. It's impossible. There just aren't enough buses. 
In order to have any type of immigration reform, there must be a path to citizenship for a good portion of the immigrants who are already here. That's 12 or 13 million people. I'm being honest. Ronald Reagan knew that. He was somewhat honest. He knew that there could be no immigration reform without amnesty. Why? Because it's mathematically impossible to do so. So what did he do? He gave amnesty to 3 million migrants. In summary, in summary, we don't have immigration reform because Republicans won't vote for any immigration bill that contains amnesty. But there can never be an immigration bill without some amnesty. Why? Because math. That's, what, that's why they're dishonest. That's what they're dishonest about. They would rather act like Joe Biden created the immigration problem than solve it. So, the, Go ahead. And uh, to go back with the dishonest part of it all, you know, they actually lied to some of these people and told them, oh, we're going to send you to Boston. So this is how they, 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 they coerced these people to get onto the planes and the buses. So dishonesty was a part of the plan from the beginning to get them onto the bus. Well, yeah, I mean, no, but, but let us first off give our hats off to Martha's Vineyard people. They stood up. They did. They clothed these people. They found them a place to live. Okay, and believe it or not, they decide. You know, they they said no, 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 no. You can stay here. We we have a job for you. Okay? You said they stood up, but all they did was be humans. Yeah, well, yeah, they were human. Well, they were human. The see, now we're in a situation now where we see people act like humans, and we have to congratulate them. Right, because, because half the country doesn't do that. Very good. Very good. Very That's good. true. Yep. So it's crazy. It's crazy. And when you deal, let me just say, the bottom line is when you deal with dishonest people, you stand to lose just like I did in the Bahamas. Now let me stop rambling and kick off the show the right way so we can get into some real discussions. Welcome to Saturday, my friends, the very next day of your life. This is the Jamal Show, the place to get intelligent, live and on your favorite podcasting network. My name is Jamal. I'm an information junkie from Harlem, and I'm passing the fruits of my illness on to you. As for me, I'm your listener guide, mostly long for the ride, coming straight through the Hartford Studios of WKND, and I'm doing that live. Ho- hopefully far past the day when Trump gets indicted, because I want to last longer than a week or two. On this day, the revolution will be televised on Facebook, and that's what the Jamal Show Facebook Live... Excuse me. You won't believe I do this for a living. The Jamal Facebook Live pay, uh, uh, post is up, and we are doing that there right now. Go there now, and your intelligence will increase. Got to say hello to my personal archbishop. It's always good to have a spare, line, spare one line around. Good morning, around. Bishop. My good friend, Dr. Alfonso Mack, is also in the house today. So say a prayer for all the unemployed bartenders in Hartford today. <laughs> now, while we are live on the radio right I'm now on WKND, <laughs> 97.5 FM and 1480 AM, you can hear us best while leaving, using a live radio app on your phone or laptop like the TuneIn Radio app or even Simple Radio. You choose. It's somewhat of a free country. If you have some money, that is. So you're going to need your own phone, by the way. Now, it's been like two months since you last heard my voice. Everybody needs a vacation. The last time we talked, the theme was about transparency. And if you missed that episode, you should look into it. Did you catch what I did there? Transparency, look into it. Anyway, I digress. This show is all about dishonesty. Because trust is the basis of, of just about all relationships. And you never can trust a person or an organization that is dishonest with you. So let me tell you the truth. This broadcast will soon be up on every podcast network that ever existed. Actually, that's not the truth, but I'm still not dishonest. Because you can share the gift of the Jamal Show with a highly intelligent loved one and help us achieve that goal, if you will. Lastly, 
Please know that my views do not represent the views of this station. If they did, then this station probably wouldn't exist as it does today. By the way, you can call and join the discussion at any time. Just call 860-218-2173. That's 860-218-2173. Don't be a scaredy cat. We don't buy it. Okay, folks, time for a break. When we come back, I have an exciting new book segment for you. We have a guest calling in to talk about a book you should read if you haven't already. And then we'll talk about how to get your student loan forgiven because it just doesn't happen automatically. You must ask my forgiveness, my son or daughter or non-binary person. We will get to that. Meanwhile, here's a little tune to make you nod your head during a break. The song is called She Bad. It's by a group called the Funky Uncles. I love that name. Why don't you meet me on the other side of God? Let's go. Best that I ever had. Let's get y'all. I can't be first. Yeah. Fashion on me, bitch. We're taking over. Balenciaga being rich. I wanna hear my shorty holler, so next time we speak, all I need is forty dollars to get in them cheeks. I'm not a billionaire, I could go all week. Like I spit this off the head, never mind no beat. If she's gonna upgrade, so working bad. When the deed is a key, baby, it's like that. She's so bad. Have you seen her on the dance floor? One look, give you one more. Every song that you grew still got special moves that you're doing that for you. She's a freak and she knows it. And she really likes to show it. And the moment that you know it, she'll be in your mind and it starts to lose focus. Don't bring her home to mama. That only goes drama. She'll be mad that you hit that. Make you want to quit that. Hurry up and leave that. It's too hard to resist her. Baby, a bad bitch. 
I'm about to back baby and give her a jaw cool. lift. Head game strong, she got sex appeal. Head yes. turns the whole club, she is the real deal. Hello again, my friends. That song is called She Bad. It's a new collaboration by a new group called The Funky Uncles, a great name. That's a fine indie tune that you can find on any streaming platform. So if you please, Spotify, Amazon Music, YouTube, etc., check them out. Remember you heard them first on the Jamal Show, the place to get intelligent music. How you like that? Now, I do believe we have a guest coming on for a brand new segment. It's an old friend of mine who is also an avid reader. He reads big, thick books that I never touch, and that's it's just not that deep to me. So over the summer, he was telling me about some books he was reading, and these and this guy, he talks about books in a way that really makes you want to go and buy that book. Let me tell you, Mac, this guy has always been a reader. Any pictures? Uh, Not yet. Not yet. I'll give you one when we get home. I mean, the way he describes the books he reads is really down to earth, and it's hip-hop. His name is Jimmy, and he's an old college buddy. A very close friend that I've known for about 30 years. So I felt that I could do no better than to bring him to the Jamal Show audience twice a month to talk about a book that he feels is good for everybody, and maybe black families in particular. Hey, you kept a friend from college. That's right, a couple from of them. college, you kept a friend. A friend, maybe one, maybe two, maybe two. He has, he has actually several, believe it or not. Right. Now, this is going to be a new segment that we're going to try to do every two weeks. My emphasis on the word try Ladies and gentlemen, please lend us your ear for our new segment. I like to call it Jimmy with Books. <laughs> Jimmy with Books. That's what we're going to call this. All right. Jimmy, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, man. Can you hear me? I can hear you. You and my brother like no other. How are you today? Yes, and what sir. book are you trying to tell my folks about today, my friend? Yeah, I love that jingle, man. You know what I mean? You should oh, definitely ahead, my keep brother. that. Yeah. In what fact, are you talking? What are you telling uh, us about today? Um, okay, the book I'm telling you about is uh, called "Between the World and Me" by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Um, it's actually not a big, thick book at all. It's very small, and um, it's a book. It's it's an open letter to his son. First of all. Ta-Nehisi Coates is, is a really good writer. He's a young, contemporary black writer. Um, he's famous for his pieces in the Atlantic magazine. People might have read The Case for Reparations. or uh, big, uh, There was a big Atlantic magazine article, for, I believe two years ago. Um, it was yeah. highly uh, read by everybody. It was a very well-read article. I believe you read it, right, Dr. Mack? It was called the, the, the Case for Reparations, and it was a very good case historically about why black people should get reparations today. I just wanted to update the audience about that, Jimmy. Go ahead. Yeah, so he actually wrote the, the um, Between the World and Me is like, kind of like autobiographical, but it's a letter to his son about what's going on in America. And he was inspired by The Fire Next Time by James Baldwin. So it's a real small book, but it's basically a black father talking about the challenges of living in America, telling his son, telling the future generations, and it's in a very contemporary, like, hip-hop style. 
Ta-Nehisi Coates is hip-hop. You know what I mean? So he writes it almost like rhymes. You know, it's, it's written in Thank you acts. for that. I mean, the basis, you gave some history. You said when you read this book that you're recommending, do some background and read Fire Next Time first and then read this book, and it will bring it all together. Do you agree? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Or if you're not really a uh, – you could even watch I Am Not Your Negro. Because that's James Baldwin, the fire next time, made into much more of a contemporary, like, almost like MTV slice. And so you could read the fire next time, or you could watch I Am Not Your Negro, and then get into this book, you know. This book touched you so much, in particular. Um, What touched me was this story about this guy named Prince Jones. Everyone in the audience that's listening to this, look up the name Prince Jones. This was a Howard University student who was killed by a police officer in 2001. And he was, you know, he was followed and mis- he's like misidentified, misidentified as somebody else or whatever, but he was killed by a black police officer. The police didn't, um, the police officer didn't suffer any repercussions or anything like that. But the story of how it went down, he's like an honor student, you know, he's like a great, uh, a great guy, a religious dude. He was on his way. He was on his way to see his fiance, and he was killed right outside her house, you know. And Ta-Nehisi Coates going back and relating that, which was very personal to him, and then tying that in to the trend of how, you know, one of the themes in the book is the brutalization of black bodies by the American system. Like the American system is built on it. It's a feature of the American system. And so he kind of shows you how brutalization of black bodies and, you know, police killing of innocent black men and so forth fits into that, how that's a feature of American culture and the American system, not an anomaly of it, you know. Deep, that's deep. Uh, Now, I heard, I don't want to get personal, but I heard through the grapevine that you were tremendously moved by this book to the point where you actually wrote the author, am I correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm in uh, D.C. and I'm a personal trainer. And I work with a lot of people in the news business and all that kind of stuff. So one of my clients had some connections with him. And I was able to write him a letter and tell him that this was as deep to me as things fall apart by the roots or as it takes a nation of millions by public enemy. You know, this was hip-hop in, in contemporary form. And the, the lady was able to take it to him and, you know, give it to him. I, I sent a picture of myself with I had two sons at the time. I got three sons and one daughter now. Um, as you hear my features, by the way, you'll hear these kids walking around and everything. I'm making breakfast for them now. But, um, yeah, he, it, it actually got to him. He hears from a lot of, like, critics and people from the New York Times magazine and stuff like that. So he wrote me back saying it's really cool to hear from an actual person that I'm writing to. You know what I'm saying? So. Fantastic. And let me just point out that just like um, the writer you, you mentioned earlier who wrote The Fire Next Time, I forgot his name. James, James Baldwin. It slipped my mind. I know, it slipped my mind. <laughs> Ta-Nehisi Coates actually moved to Europe just like uh, James Baldwin like did. Yeah. yeah, so it's kind of uh, similar there. Um, he, well, he I want to thank like you. I want to tell you uh, if you have any contact information you want to tell the audience, just in case someone wants to write you an email or something like that about the things you talk about, do you have an email address or other contact information that you'd like to share? Um, the best email to get me at is James Mwangi. That's James M U W O N G E dot fitness, F I T N E S S, at gmail.com. One more you know thing. Um, 
I want to thank you for this new segment. We'll be, uh, I want you to read another book in two weeks. But hey, is there anything else you want to say? What message do you have for the people today? Any just general message? Whenever somebody comes on, I let them say whatever they want to uh, as yeah. kind of payment for coming on. So what, what do you want to have to say to the people? Anything? my general message. I want granola. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess his, his words are more important than yours. You want to start, start it again? Because I think I talked over you. Go ahead. My son's like, yo, radio show, whatever, bro. Give me the granola. Granola for the cereal. Real quick, um, you were talking about, and we should never skip over this, the fact that there are black men or, or black people who leave America to get a breath of fresh air. And a new yeah. perspective. I mean, James Baldwin did it, and uh, and your writer did it, and, and and right now Stevie's doing it. Stevie Wonder's doing it. Uh, leaving America, Jamal, we need to do a show on it. Not just black men. Uh, Johnny Depp did it too <laughs> to get away from paparazzi. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, wh- yeah where does Stevie he, Wonder uh, go to? I'm curious. You're able to do it. I forget. It's he not moved Nigeria. to Paris it's, it's the other because he said he didn't, want his son. he didn't want to have to worry about his son being out. He, he was like, I don't want to be a black dad sitting there worried about my kid who's in my car out with his friends at the movies or whatever, you know. So he moved to Paris. Yeah, that's that's right, well, deep. I don't even. Know. I got three sons, so I don't even know what to say about that. Luckily, my guys are still really young, so I haven't yet had to cross that bridge. But Tamir Rice was two years older than my oldest son. My oldest son is nine. Tamir Rice was eleven. Trayvon Martin was 15. So, I don't know what's up with this. Those ages you know, memorized. I got, I got to make that call. I would have to look that up. Myself. Yeah. I would you have know, to look that you up. Know, as black men, we need to have a conversation one time about survival talking for our kids. When We got to do something about that. Joe. Yeah, we will. We will. Um, I'm waiting for the next spate of uh, police killings to happen so that it becomes relevant. That should be tomorrow. Hopefully, ho- yeah, it should be tomorrow, well, but hopefully know. it won't happen. Uh, hopefully it, it's it always happen. relevant in America. Thank you so much, my friend no. Jimmy. Read a book for two weeks from now. That was Jimmy with Books, our first time. Yes, sir. Uh, Appreciate go ahead and hang up, Jim. I'll talk to you when I get out. But Now, let me tell you all right. people something. Let me tell y'all people something right quick. I want you guys to write me and let me know if you like the new segment called Jimmy with Books or if you don't like it. I think you will. My contact information is jamalshowradio at gmail.com. jamalshowradio at gmail.com. That's J-A-M-A-L for those who don't know. Hit me there. Click that button. Moving on, I need to talk to you guys a little bit about student loan forgiveness. That's right. That's one of the reasons why Joe Biden is my uncle right now. I'm very pleased with him. I'm very pleased with him. <laughs> Screw the haters. Know what I'm saying? Matt, did they have student loans back in the days of wooden tablets and dinosaurs? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or did yeah, people just yeah. pay by trading goats? Well, no. We had what we called a National Student Defense Fund. And I will tell you, when I got out of four years of college, I owed 450 bucks. What? Four hundred fifty bucks. I thought he was gonna say four hundred fifty dollars. Four hundred fifty bucks. And this guy's a dentist, people. Like, how did a you dentist? A- how did you access these funds? No, no it, it was all part. I went to Delaware State University and I did student loans and things like that it and student to, work and fa- and at the end of my four years, I owed four hundred and fifty bucks. I was reading a story about some uh, lawyer that went to UConn and when he left, he owed six hundred dollars. Like that was like normal back then. Yeah. Anyway, a few weeks ago, Joe Biden announced a new policy from the White House. He announced that he would give, forgive $10,000 in student loan debt and another 10000 for those with a Pell Grant, which is mostly inner-city black kids like myself. 
So Joe Biden made me $20,000 richer on that day. And when he announced this, a lot of people questioned whether he could legally do it. And when I say a lot of people, of course, I mean Republicans. But apparently, the Secretary of Education is appointed by the president. So there you go, Ted Cruz. Go pound sand. Another empty Republican criticism was the idea that this program was not fair to others who paid their loans off or worked through school or just saved their money up enough to pay the bill themselves. In other words, this program has winners and losers like every other program. People who will gain and people who will not. This is true. But it's also true, it's also true that for all laws ever written, that is the same case. Particularly when it comes to taxes. You never see these people complaining when they benefit from a law. Of course, then it's a good law. Or it's a law that leaves out uh, a big portion of the other population. But see, as long as they benefit, it's a good law, though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only when they don't benefit that, oh, it's not fair. In fact, stand-up comedian Trump passed a tax law that hurt blue states like New York and California, and he was applauded for it. Remember, the, remember this. All laws affect some people more than others. The most important thing for you people out there with student loan debt to know about this program is that not everyone will qualify for forgiveness. In fact, some people may have to turn to Jesus for forgiveness because this program cannot help them. The Republicans attacked this program by saying it was a money transfer from the middle class to rich Harvard lawyers. But again, not everybody qualifies. So if you make more than $125,000 a year, you are ineligible for this program. That's 250 k for married couples. So those must be some broke, rich Harvard lawyers that we are supporting. In fact, 40% of the people who are eligible for the student loan forgiveness program never even graduated from the school they attended. So they probably aren't rich or lawyers. And that means they're paying loans that they probably don't earn enough money to pay. And that's a terrible position to be in. The part that many people don't realize is that you must apply for the program to get forgiveness. And if you don't apply by December 2023, you will lose the opportunity to benefit from the program. Don't sleep on this, people. Don't miss your blessing. Eligibility will be based on your adjusted gross income from either 2020 or 2021. You cannot use your income for 2022. And only those loans dispersed by June 30th of this year are eligible for relief. In addition, only federal loans are eligible. Unfortunately for you, my friend, if you have private loans, private loans are not eligible for forgiveness. I know that sucks, but you wasn't supposed to take out a private loan anyway. So how do you apply, how do you apply for student loan forgiveness? Well, if you're already enrolled in a repayment plan and the government knows how much you earn, you shouldn't need to do anything. Still, you should probably apply anyway. About 8 million Americans may be eligible to get this automatic relief, and some are going to fall through the cracks. For everybody else, the Department of Education website will have a simple application available by early next month, early October. You can sign up to receive an alert when it's ready, and you should. Again, I would advise you apply for student loan forgiveness, even if the government already has you on a payment plan. Once you apply, it should be no more than six weeks until your student loan balance falls. By either ten or twenty thousand dollars. Now, Doctor Mac, do you still owe that four hundred fifty dollars? No, no, no. Oh, no, so no, you no. did pay them. You, oh, you yeah. didn't walk oh, away. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now I know what you're gonna ask. You're gonna, you're wondering if you have to pay taxes on this canceled debt because usually, 
When anybody cancels a debt with you, you have to pay taxes on it. It's like income. Uh, but the government created an exception for this situation. Student loan debt forgiven from 2021 through 2025 is non-taxable. On the other hand, you may have to pay state taxes on your forgiven debt. And as always, it really depends on where you live. So go throw an egg at your governor's mansion if that's you. Because it isn't Joe Biden's fault. He tried. Some states will track the temporary federal rule that exempts canceled student debt from federal income taxes, but some won't. At least 13 states have the potential to make erased student debt subject to state income taxes. I bet those would be Republican states who would tax people on forgiving student loans. What a, what a buzzkill. They're going to want that money back from the bus tickets. <laughs> <laughs> they got to get it somehow. You know they want their cut. <laughs> okay, people. So time to take another break before I lose my voice. But if you need to hear this again, it will be on every podcast network in about an hour. So you can really absorb this information. By the way, Jamal show commercial breaks rarely include a commercial. What we do instead is play you some refreshing ending, in, in, indie music, independent music. This time is going to be a, call, a song called Spanish Harlem by Seeds of Labor. We have played it before. It can be found on all streaming platforms if you love it. We will be back after the break to open up our new Culture War news desk. The first story, The Little Mermaid is Black Now and Lions and Tigers and Bears Oh My. So the Civil War starts tomorrow. That's the signal people are waiting for. The Little Mermaid is black now. When a huge company like Disney acts like it can make its own decisions about its own products, that means it's time to pack the muskets. Enjoy the music and stay with us afterwards. I just want to play you guys one more thing, so stay with us. Here's a song. Well, I was up in Spanish Harlem When I saw the girl, I felt I had to kick the jargon Come into my secret garden Young Latina, cause I like what I saw when I seen ya Ayo, I like chicks that speak Espanol And live in Spanish Harlem I'm just seeking stardom The hips is mad thick, the hair is mad slick Dominican accents with luggage in the back end The New York City dating games a lot scarier The more fly the girl, the more dangerous the areas Projects are rugged, brownstones the homes To these queens of the uptown scene a hip-hop dream, if I ever make it, I sparkle green, damn I couldn't take it, but up here the girl's so fly, it's like a show, or a video, I'm on my way to the studio, with my man Jamal, and my DJ Eric, seen a Latin chick that was so dope, I have to share this, she had a baby shirt, and jeans to hug the waistline, expensive clothes with the navel exposed, gear was from the village, the pretty eyes were smiling, attitude from Harlem, body from the island, of Puerto Rico, but she was raised in Manhattan, don't say Hispanic, you gotta call them Latin. So I started threading my way through the pedestrians, straight towards the girl who had the thighs of an equestrian. Hola, senorita, I'm from Virginia. That's down south, where it's quite strange to see a girl of your complexion. Then ask her which direction that she was heading. Then I started forgetting all about this girl because coming up the street was a different chick that had a beat. When I was up in Spanish Harlem, when I saw the girl, I felt I had to kick the jargon. Coming to my secret garden, young Latina, cause I like what I saw when I seen it. Hola, the place is Spanish Harlem, girls are all over. I want the legs to spread like that virus called Ebola. But I don't disrespect when I see you in the discotheque dancing to Selena. Pretty young Latina, check it. We can fit the town like Picasso if you got to muchacho. I'll catch beef like a taco from a young desperado who's not trying to hear it. How I want to touch your mind, 
your body ain't your spirit. Cause straight up and down, I love the chicks. I grew up around in Fila kicks from 116 to 96. Ain't this something? This is how we cruise. The party scene looking for a beauty queen with holes in my jeans. Calling me Coppola, what's that supposed to mean? I'm not your enemy, so check my integrity. I'm loving life just like I'm loving the spice on your beans and rice. But your parents is tripe cause they don't like the type. Non Spanish speaking with a couple of stripes plus a medal from the ghetto. Well, I was up in Spanish Harlem when I saw the girl. I felt I had to kick the jargon. Come into my secret garden, young Latina, cause I like what I saw when I seen it. Well, I was up in Spanish Harlem when I saw the girl. I felt I had to kick the jargon. Come into my secret garden, young Latina, cause I like what I saw when I seen it. When I was up in Spanish Harlem, when I saw the girl, I felt I had to kick the jargon. Come into my secret garden, young Latina, cause I like what I saw when I seen it. Well, I was up in Spanish Harlem. When, when I, I saw, saw the girl, I felt I had to kick the jargon. Come into my secret garden, young Latina, cause I like what, what I saw when I seen you. I. <laughs> Hello, hello, hello. That was uh, Spanish Harlem by Seeds of Labor. You can find that streaming on any any streaming service. Uh, it is out there if you like it. And now I want to play you. I'm going to go to our culture news desk. You know, you, you have really a new have culture to. War news desk. And in that culture war news desk, we have something special. We have the Little Mermaid now being black. Now, I know you're really excited, but not everybody is apparently. I'm excited. Um, I, know not, I know you're really excited because the big fight has been for years, for decades, to get black people to participate in Hollywood to the same extent that they participate in watching Hollywood because black people watch films, black people watch TV. Um, they spend a lot of To a larger extent, to a bigger proportion that they're, that they're, that they're given credit for. And so now... Disney has announced and, and released as of last week their uh, new live-action Little Mermaid movie um, trailer, which features a black woman. And this was just so moving for me. I just want to play for you some of the responses that people have recorded uh, around the nation. Despite all the haters that, that think that a change like this wasn't necessary, we don't need to put brown people in films just to put them in there, you know, diversity's not good. I just want you to hear if you can listen to what some of the how some of the young black um, um, children, female children, are responding to this. I'm going to go ahead and play this now. And there was another important win for representation this Saturday as Disney dropped the first trailer for its live action Little Mermaid remake with actress Halle Bailey appearing as Ariel. Thousands of little black girls across the country reacted to a Disney princess who looked like them. Listen close. I think she's brown. She's black. She's black. She's black. Ariel's 
she's brown like you. She's like me. Okay, so that was a whole bunch of children around the nation responding to the uh, to surprise that Ariel is now black on The Little Mermaid. And that's kind of a big deal, isn't it? And we, okay, we actually have my daughter here. She wants to tell you, a child live, how she felt. Um, I feel like, I feel like that, um... It's okay. It's okay. Listen, you guys. All right. We have the benefit of having John Rose. Are you familiar? We've had him here a couple times. Uh, First black attorney to be licensed in the state of Connecticut. Yeah, but do you know who his daughter is? Who? Anika Nani Rose. She's the little princess from Disney. Oh. She grew up in Bloomfield, Connecticut. We're oh, going to have wow. him back on. We'll have him back on. How about it? If you'd have told me that before the show, hey, I'd have him on. Hey, hey, hey. That's why people should read their emails. <laughs> <laughs> people should really read their emails. And then they yeah, we're going to bring John Rose back here, Attorney John Rose, who raised yeah. a little princess. Yeah, that would okay. be great. That'd be All right. Cool. We'll he would have been a great guest for today, but you got to no. kind of know that beforehand yeah. before you can make plans yeah. for that, yeah. which is... Hey, um, everyone in the listening audience, when people send you emails, please try to read them ahead of time, yes. and that way you can plan for things like that. Yes, yes. Not, not naming any names or anything, <laughs> but on the segment we have, we'll talk about The Little Mermaid. It'll be nice to have a friend of the show, John Rhodes, talk about his daughter being part of the Disney family. Oh, how about if we just bring Anika here? We could do that. Yes. Let's do that. So when the movie comes out and all the critics um, get on top of it because a black person's in it, we're going to have... The little princess here at the station with us. She she lives here. All right, all right. Excellent. So that's the reason for y'all to tune in in two weeks, people. We gotta go. You while we're gone, you have to take care of yourself. But if you can, take care of someone else too. All right. We are out. Thank you for listening to the Jamal Show. Have a nice day. <laughs> you know, you really have to believe in what you're doing in life in order to better get through it. That's really the message of this show. That's what this show is all about. And we hope you believe in the message as much as we do, which is why we're hoping that you'll take this opportunity to support us through coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com backslash the Jamal show. Please join us there. Consider buying us a coffee. We need the caffeine to keep this show running and to keep telling the truth, quite honestly. So why don't you join us and we'll give you a nice shout out on the next broadcast. Join us at coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com backslash The Jamal Show. We'd really appreciate any support you can give us. Thank you very much. This is The Jamal Show. This is the Jamal Show. This is the Jamal Show.